Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm speaking with Dave Shioto, a previous league champ in both the FFPC Main Event and Football Guys Players Championship. His career winnings total nearly $20,000. Currently, he has two top 60 teams in the 2020 FFPC main event, a competition that will pay out nearly $4 million in prizes, including a half a million dollars to the overall champ. In this episode, we break down the impact that Antonio Brown is having on the rest of the Buccaneers pass catchers, whether Ian Thomas might be a nice bounce back draft pick in 2021, picking the correct Steelers receiver to start and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. All one word, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So, it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Now, without further ado, here is $20,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Dave Shioto. Joining me this week on the road of his high-stakes slowdown, a former FFPC Pros versus Joes participant, a former FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship League champion, former guest of the HSFF Hour, former co-host of the HSFF Hour, it's Dave Shioto. Dave, welcome in. Thank you. Really appreciate being back, and uh, great always talking to you, Eric. It's uh, As I always tell you, uh, this is a, uh, a safe haven and something I look forward to, and I know many others do, so appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So we're, we're coming up on, this is, this is make it or break it week. Week 11 in the FFPC main event in the Football Guys Players Championship, uh, the final week of, the, uh, of league play. Has have have things intensified for you at all? I know for me, you know, I participate in a similar event, not the FFPC, but where where um, I, you know, I have to, you know, essentially have a good week 11 showing in order to keep moving on here. And I know, you know, this season, for whatever reason, I, I, and Dave, I don't know if you're the same way, but for this year, I like made a conscious effort. I didn't check the live scoring for any of my leagues throughout Sunday, throughout Monday. I check it on Tuesday for the first time to see how I did. And for me, it's made the game so much more enjoyable because I kind of know who I have going, but I don't know who I'm going up against. And it's just, it's just been fun watching it that way. Um, has the intensity taken a step up knowing that this is it? If, you, if you're on the borderline, you got to have a big week 11. Has the intensity picked up for you? Well, absolutely. I mean, anytime you get it when where you're, my teams are doing fairly decent this year. So anytime you're in the running, to try and close it out uh, in week 10 and 11. Uh, obviously, you want to do, uh, if you can win the, the, the league by most points or best record, if you have an opportunity to close those out, uh, it's it's just, you know, that, that intensity that you get from that uh, is, is unmatched as far as me. And one of the reasons why you play fantasy, fantasy football in the high stakes leagues. Um, unfortunately, this week was a crucial week and this seems to happen many times. I had the opportunity to close out both leagues, uh, and I think both of my teams that I had lost by a combined five points. Oh, so, yeah. So I lost one, uh, one matchup by one point, and the other one by about three and a half. So, you know, it, it's very tough when you sit back and think one point. You know, I could have got a sack or or how that works. But 
Uh, unlike you, I, I track it pretty, uh, I, you know, I, I watch the games uh, with, you know, a bunch of TVs and have the computers next to me. So I'm tracking it and I see all the penalties that are called and the, the mishaps that uh, the James Robinson two touchdowns that were taken mm -hmm. away from him. So that's kind of stressful and, and it gets to you. But, you know, when, when you're in it this long and you've played this for this long, you kind of expect it and you roll with the punches and, you know, uh, this week brings a new life and uh, another opportunity to close it out. And that's what makes it fun. It's so funny because I'm, I'm obviously a Packers fan, but I, I own James Robinson, like in 60% of my leagues, probably. So I'm watching this game on Sunday. I'm like, ah, oh, that's too bad. Well, at least I have Robinson. Oh, I got called back. And it happened twice, you know? So it's just uh running the gamut of emotions. Um, I didn't, I didn't bring that. I should have brought this up at the top. You have not won but two uh, teams in the top 60 overall in the FFPC main event, obviously 2,000 plus teams in that. Um, let's talk about your 30th place team overall right now. Um, you hitched your tight end wagon, so to speak, to Tyler Higby. He was the first tight end you drafted in that league. Got off to a big start, had the three touchdown game. He slowed down since then. Um, what's interesting to remember about Higby is, you know, everybody I had on this podcast and the High Six Fantasy Football Hour in December and January um, they were all champions. And what did they have in common? They had Tyler Higby on their roster. He won an incredible run in the championship round uh, in 2019. What are the chances that he picks up the pace and goes on a big, uh, a, a big December run this season to try to pr propel you in the FFPC main event first place top spot? Well, last year he had an historic run. I mean, I don't think in, in that three week, four week stretch that there was any tight end that ever had that many points. So obviously I'm not expecting that. Uh, if you recall last year, you know, they used the 12 personnel. They got away from the 11 personnel, and uh, and Everett was hurt, uh, and they were more of a throwing team. So it was kind of the perfect storm at the time. This year, uh, I don't expect that just from the standpoint of they become a running team. Uh, Goff has not thrown many touchdowns this year, uh, and they're using Gerald Everett a little little more than, the, you know, I would personally like, but uh, it just seems to be the way that the trend is going. Um, but the upside to me is in a tight end premium league, that is my weakest uh, positional player. But I got lucky this year. If you look at the tight end position, even though he's having an up and down year, his points per game on average, I'm probably only losing two points per game uh, on average to if you look from the tight end three down to where he is. There's literally two points separating those teams. Obviously, the Kelseys and the uh, Wallers are your top two. So I'm not losing to the masses in bulk uh, points where I typically would in a high, you know, in this high stakes league where it is a premium league, uh, could could be getting tortured by, you know, 10 to 12 guys. Uh, that hasn't happened this year. So I've kind of been lucky with it. Uh, I'm hoping if I can get a if I can get a solid 10 from him, um, I'd be happy. Anything beyond that, then I think the team that I have has a pretty good shot uh, of, of cashing because uh, I'm pretty solid everywhere else. Um, and we'll, we'll hope, uh, but I'm not anticipating him having anywhere close to the season he had last year. Um, let's talk about <clears throat> another NFC uh, pass catcher here, Mike Evans. Um, you also have him on your top 30 team. Um, we have two weeks in the books now of Antonio Brown catching passes from Tom Brady. Chris Godwin, obviously healthy. He's back out there. Now, despite all that, uh, this past week against Carolina, Mike Evans, six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. 
Um, how concerned are you seeing what you've seen with Evans the last couple of weeks and knowing Godwin and Brown are both healthy as of right now? How concerned are you about trotting Mike Evans out there either, either as a flex or as one of your uh, top two receivers uh, each and every week going forward? Well, you know, I'm lucky enough to have Adams and Keenan Allen who, uh, you know, having fantastic years. So he is a flex for me. Um, I don't, unlike others, I don't worry as much about Antonio Brown. I'll look at it from the other side and think that uh, Antonio Brown is going to probably pull coverage away from him, which will allow him more one-on-one. Um, I think he has had some bad games. I'm hope I'm thinking it was because of his injury. He had an injury to his ankle early on, and he wasn't hundred uh, percent. Uh, I'm thinking more on the lines of what happened this week. Uh, the six, you know, I'm looking at him since he's a flex option. He's still a top 30, 36 guy, which is a top three receiver, and I'm using him as a flex position. Again, I get uh, 12 to 15 points out of him. I'm happy. Uh, he has an opportunity, being who he is in the offense that he plays in, to produce more than that. Um, but I think his I think his floor is pretty solid at a uh, you know a five for fifty if he throws in a touchdown you know he's looking at the he's looking at somewhere the sixteen or maybe even north of twenty if things go well so uh, I have no reservations about it I'm going to obviously have to look at replacing him if in the playoffs if I make it to the uh, week thirteen as that's their bye week um, but being that he's a flex option. Uh, you know, that, that's what you got to prepare for. Uh, and I start that process now uh, as opposed to waiting till week 13. Dave, this brings up an interesting strategy discussion. And I know we're a little early on it because, you know, we obviously haven't hit the, the FFPC league playoffs yet. But when you're trying to win a half million bucks, and, and let's say you have a team in the top 30, in the top 60, do you stop ignoring floor for players and just concentrate on ceiling and start you know, playing these boomer bust type guys in the hopes of lightning striking in a bottle and, and you can really rock it up the leaderboards. How do you sort of treat uh, your team when it's in this three week free for all in this championship sprint when you're trying to beat, you know, thousand, two thousand other teams? Yeah, well, I mean, it obviously is a, a little bit of luck. And, you know, if you get an injury or something occurs with a marquee player and you happen to have the backup, um, you know, that could, that could propel you to the top very easily. Uh, I mean, I do have some explosive players. When you're talking Miles Sanders, James, Rob, James Robinson, uh, I, I, you know, I mentioned the other guys that I, I currently have, Russell Wilson. It, it's it's a situation that I don't know if I can pull somebody from my bench that's going to have upside over those guys. However, there are guys, you know, that you can plug in for that week um, for Mike Evans when he is on a bye and take the upside. I know Sammy Watkins is a guy that people hate to play because he seems <laughs> to be a boomer bust guy. Um, so I would consider him figuring if he does pop, uh, I'm going to probably get an advantage being that he's in my flex position. Uh, and if he has one of those boom weeks, you, you know, you're, you're all the better for it. You know, I have a Gio Bernard. So, you know, Mixon's been unhealthy most of the year. Uh, you know, so there's a, some, some play there. You don't know. I have Cable Belage. I don't know about his upside uh, being that high, so I would probably lean against him. But, you know, I, I would in those situations, if the fit was right and the matchup was right, take a shot on a guy that I think has a uh, huge upside. I just, on that particular team, I don't see anybody uh, on that side that will fit that mold. You just mentioned Kalen Balazs. You obviously have him and Joshua Kelly on this team. 
Um, you know, Justin Jackson's on IR. We don't know what's going to be happening with Austin Eckler. I don't know if he'll be back even next week, quite frankly. Um, he might just be a championship round, you know, hold and play type of guy as far as Eckler goes right now. Um, getting it back to Balaj and Kelly, does someone need to get hurt in order for you to start the other guy on this team? Um, how much in the last week or two have you considered flexing one of these guys out because they both been healthy and, and you didn't really know how the how the backfield split was gonna be divvied up between the two. Obviously it's been mostly Bellage. But when you you know look forward on this team, would you start Bellage with a healthy Kelly? I think I would. Uh, I watched the game pretty intently this week just to see and I'm checking the you know the targets and, and the snap counts to make sure you know where where they fall uh, and get a better idea. I think Balazs, as long as Eckler's out and Jackson are, are out, uh, is, a, is a decent play. It, it's funny that my draft strategy all year preseason was I wasn't going to draft Eckler because I was going to take Justin Jackson and Kelly because I knew I could get what I would consider to be at worst a flex start and possibly a number two running back, and I'm getting them in the 12th to 16th round. So on many of my teams, I drafted both of them to secure that. So I was able to only take maybe uh, two, three running backs in the first 10 rounds because I knew I was going to get try and grab those two players. Because as I mentioned, I didn't think Eckler was going to be able to handle a full workload, even though I thought it was tremendous. Uh, and one of those guys was going to have some value. Well, lo and behold, uh, the week before Eckler got hurt, I had to cut Jeff, uh, Jackson to pick somebody up. Um, and then he ended up getting hurt, and I picked up Belage. So I, I do have both. I would play Belage. I think it's surprising for me to say, based on watching him in, with the, the Dolphins and the Jets, that uh, he seemed to be running in straight lines uh, and not hesitating. And, and I think they like him, uh, from what I can tell, a little bit more than Kelly. Kelly's uh, struggling a little bit with pass protection. So uh, I, I think I would consider playing him as one of my flex, uh, especially the week that Mike Evans is off. And that's all predicated on Eckler being out. Um, Eckler's injury seemed pretty serious. So I agree. I don't think he's going to be back for at least another week or two. Um, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I would definitely consider him over over Kelly, uh, even though uh, I think Kelly the previous week had, had uh, you know 10 or 11 points. Um, but his snap count seemed to dwindle a little bit this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on it this week to track that and see uh, if that trend continues. Chargers backfield, certainly something all fantasy owners should be watching going forward, given all the moving pieces there, especially when, like you said, when Eckler does come back, whether that's, you know, week 12, week 13, we'll see. Um, but certainly knowing uh, about Kelly and Bellage and the split there uh, uh, is going to decide fantasy leagues, quite frankly. Let's move to your uh, 60th place team in the main event right now. You got J.D. McKissick, snaked him off the waiver wire. You plugged him into your lineup. 20, I can't even believe I'm saying this, 29 targets from Alex Smith over the last two weeks. When you look at McKissick and you talk about the volume that he's getting just in the passing game alone, is he a must-start for FFPC players right now? And I understand that some people, you know, you might have drafted, um, you know, Dalvin Cook and got Miles Sanders in the second round or, or Aaron Jones in the second round, or maybe you pick James Robinson up in the eighth or ninth, then McKissick's not a must-start. But if you don't have three obvious top ten running backs in the FFPC, does McKissick need to be in your lineup, uh, Dave? I, I think he does. I mean, I, I had the opportunity last week 
because I do have Kamara and Kareem Hunt on that team. Uh, and I typically do not like playing three running backs. Uh, I like I like pounding the wide receivers in the flex spot. So uh, I also had Gio Bernard. So I did sit uh, Gio Bernard last week on that team to play McKissick, but I don't think I can pull him out of my lineup. Now, last week was a little easier because I had Julio on by, um, but I have to make a decision this week because, like I said, I have uh, Julio out of my lineup now, and my backs are McKissick, Kamara, and Hunt, uh, and I also still have Juju uh, and, and Robert Woods. So um, I, I got to get Julio in, so I, I would most likely think about sitting Woods, um, but – I, I don't know. It, it's going to be it's going to be a last minute decision for sure to try and figure out that lineup. But he has to be in there. There's no way you can pass up a guy that's getting you know ten targets a game from the running back position. Uh, you know, even if he catches fifty percent of them, he's going to have a, a super floor, and uh, he obviously has the potential to explode. So I, I think he's a must start. Picking him up in I think week six it was for about ninety dollars was you know that that was a blessing, but. You know, that, that's the fun of fantasy and, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the season is it's, it's not just the draft. It's the, the day-to-day, the week-to-week uh, staying on top of what's going on. And he was obviously one that was getting the touches. And I guess people didn't think it was going to continue. And uh, unfortunately for myself, it has. And I don't think that's stopping, especially with Alex Smith now throwing to him. You know, Dave, that's an interesting thing that you bring up as far as the waiver wire goes. You know, in all your years of playing high-stakes fantasy football, you know, 20-plus years or whatever it's been, do you find yourself, you know, on Wednesdays and and Tuesdays when you're putting together your bids, do you find yourself looking for the undervalued potential big-time boom running back uh, like J.D. McKissick, like, you know, whatever, so you're getting them a week ahead of everybody else or two weeks ahead of everybody else. And, and stat- I know it's difficult in the area of COVID and, and with all the bye weeks and everything, you can't always do that. But is that something that, that you make a point of doing every week to, to try to see if you can get that big lottery ticket on your roster before everyone else does? Oh, a hundred percent. And moving forward into these last couple of weeks, uh, you know, once you get to the playoffs, you know, only a limited amount of teams are starting to bid on players. I mean, I start looking at the backups to the backups because, you know, with COVID, especially this year, I think it's going to be even more crucial to look, uh, you know, to that next level of backs because you, you don't have time to wait. In these high-stakes leagues, there's too many great players and too many uh, people that do a lot of research and put the time in uh, to, to make sure that, you know, you don't get a team and all the next thing you know, you, you have four guys off your waiver wires that are starters. Uh, there's a lot of good talent on the waiver wire. Now, right now, it's very thin. Um, but absolutely, uh, you know, you need to look, you need to look beyond the, the first two, first three guys sometimes. I mean, look, Caleb Balazs came off of the practice squad. He was cut from two different teams and now he's a starting running back. You know, nobody can predict that, but when they sign them, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your eyes got, you got to keep them open because one of those situations could turn into your favor very quickly. Uh, you know, if that backfield in Chicago doesn't square up. Who knows, Lamar Miller may be, you know, he may be a top 30 back here if he would get an opportunity. I'm not saying he will, but that's the kind of person that, you know, comes out of the blue that you don't even foresee. Uh, but you have to keep an ear to the ground because that is the most important thing with this is with injuries, COVID, uh, and the way the season goes, you have to try and keep as many guys on your roster that have potential to be boom, boom plays for you. I know you had drafted um, Ian Thomas, the uh, tight end from Carolina, on both your top 30 and, and top 60 main event teams here. 
Um, they've been very successful uh, despite Ian Thomas not turning in, uh, you know, a Bafo season. Um, not necessarily that he had to. I mean, you're drafting him as a backup tight end. Uh, why don't you think he worked out for fantasy owners so far this year? And do you think that this is a guy, and as we move forward to 2021, assuming Carolina doesn't do anything at the tight end position, he might be an undervalued guy given his performance so far this year and, and threatened to be a top 15 guy in 2021. Well, I, I you know, I, I drafted him again as my second tight end. Uh, you know, I, I once you, once you typically get your first tight end, then later on in the draft, you kind of take guys that you think may have some upside with him this year. I didn't have a great feel for him because I didn't know what Matt rules offense was going to look like. Uh, now that I've seen it, I think the tight end uh, targets have about 26 total for the entire team this year, which is obviously not not a large uh, percent of their targets. Uh, I don't think in that offense that he's going to be able to excel uh, moving forward. I think I cut ties with him pretty early on when I started watching him and, uh, you know, because there was too many other guys. Now, again, like I mentioned earlier, there hasn't been a lot of, other than the top two, a lot of guys that have gone absolutely crazy this year at the tight end position. So finding guys that can get you eight to 10 uh, is, is value uh, right now at that position. So um, I don't think I would consider him next year. Um, but, you know, I guess crazier things can happen. It's just not <laughs> something that's going to be on my radar based on this year when there are only 26 targets in total for the entire year and in 10 weeks of football. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because basically there's been one tight end this year, and it's been Travis Kelsey. And Darren Waller's had, you know, hits and misses here, but Kelsey's been pretty awesome um, each and every week here going forward. Um, I'm curious, Dave, Does and I know you didn't draft a tight end early on either one of these teams in, in the main event, but do you think given how tight end has played out this year, you will be less likely to draft the tight end early when you saw the landmines at the position early on in drafts this year? Like Mark Andrews, I mean, who started off good, really tailed off. Zach Ertz, um, you know, who's who's been a massive miss. You know, Kittle got hurt. It is what it is with that. But even you know, guys like Evan Engram uh, have, have have been so 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 far. Do you think you'll stay away from drafting a tight end early again next year because of what you've seen this year at the position? Yeah, I've typically not been a even though it's a tight end uh, dominant league. I have typically not drafted tight ends early. If one would fall to me, then I, I would obviously look at the position. Uh, so where they were going, and Kittle, I know Kittle got hurt, and uh, Kelsey was going in the first round. So uh, I, I would not draft those players there. The same reason why I wouldn't draft a, a Lamar Jackson or or Mahomes in, the, in you know the top two or three rounds as well. I just think you're going to get similar value, and you're not going to lose that much in production, uh, especially when you're looking at running backs. Uh, you know, that you need to draft. And obviously the the risk in the top 15 wide receivers is a lot less than uh, taking the shot to get the tight end. Because if you draft him that early and he gets injured, then all, all your strategy and all your advantage goes away. Uh, I'd rather try and get, you know, two solid guys or two guys that I hopefully are going to get some production and go with that strategy as opposed to taking the shot to get the one or two uh, that's the way I've been drafting for years. I just, I'd never, I think the one year I, I was able to get Ertz in the third round. Uh, and that was, a, I thought was a steal at that position. I would consider it, but no, I, I, I typically stay away from, uh, you know, when those top two guys at the, at the two positions, the quarterback and tight end are going that early. I have a tendency to stay away from them. 
Dave, it's pretty rare we bring up the New York Jets on a fantasy football podcast, but we're going to bring them up on uh, this week's episode. They've been a tough team to try and find fantasy valuable assets on it uh, so far this season. I'm going to narrow it down here, make it simple for you. If you could only own one of their receivers for the remainder of the 2020 season, would it be Jamison Crowder or would it be the rookie Denzel Mims? Well, that's obviously predicated to me on who's playing quarterback. If it's Joe Flacco, then I would have to, unfortunately, say Mims based on the fact that Flacco like throws the ball downfield and Darnold would check down a little bit more, uh, which would make Crowder a more uh, more appealing option. Uh, I actually I had uh, Mims on one of my teams. I had drafted him, uh, I think, in one of the last two rounds, but obviously had to cut him. So I, I don't have him anymore. Crowder I still do have, um, but I don't think his target share is going to be what it was early in the season unless Darnold comes back, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, they may protect that asset so that they can uh, trade him in, in the offseason. But uh, so right now, I, I don't know if I would say it's going to be Mims because I think Perryman's probably going to be the lead dog there. Uh, I, I would probably still lean Crowder um, just from a standpoint of, you know, I think Mims is maybe a boomer bust guy, uh, whereas I think Crowder is going to, he can get you five, six receptions. Um, but with Flacco there, I, I just can't trust it. So, um, you know, kind of hedging there, which way I would go, but I, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't trust the rookies, uh, in a guy that's been hurt most of the season, uh, in his production and trusting that and to put him in, in the playoff spot. Um, so, you know, it kind of went both ways with it, but I would probably still lean Crowder. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. I mean, it's it's a lot of red flags. A, he's a rookie. B, he plays on a bad team. C, his quarterback play is, is questionable. So, and, and you know, with all those factors combined, sometimes you're better off going with the steady Eddie guy. Um, definitely the higher floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling, but certainly a guy you can count on more for uh, points in a pinch going forward for the remainder of the season. Uh, Miles Sanders has been one of your most owned players uh, so far this season, Dave. He, he looks recovered. He had that early season injury. He looks recovered. Um, obviously played pretty well last week. I know he got vultured by Clement and, and Scott on, on separate occasions. Um, but you look at his chances of, of being that guy in the championship round, the guy that we talk about after the end of the season, like, oh, my goodness, you know, um, anybody who had Miles Sanders had to finish high in the money this year in the main event of the Football Guys Players Championship. What are his chances of being that guy? Um, for uh, the 2020 season when uh, when it's all said and done? Well, I mean, if Carson Wentz can sustain drives moving forward, I love his matchups in the playoffs. I mean, starting next week, they have Seattle and Green Bay, and they have been, you know, a little late in, the, uh, in being able to stop the run. So I actually like him a lot. He could be one of those guys that busts or goes and busts out and, and be the elite player that, you know, you drafted him to be. Obviously, some injuries have slowed him down. They are starting to get healthy. I'm just hoping that Peterson starts giving them the ball a little bit more in space uh, to allow him to, you know, he, he just doesn't seem like the line is giving him a lot of holes to, to run through early in the season. And now we're coming off of the injury. I think if you look at last week's game against the Giants, he did have some production. Again, he got a couple of vultured away from him this year. Uh, in that uh, in that game, but he definitely has the potential, and I, I think he, of all the guys I have, has has given me a chance to 
you know, when you add in Adams with that team and, and the other guys that I have, that he could be the key factor in, in, in making this team very, very successful. Um, I, you know, you, I, I ask this of a lot of the guests I talk to on, on both my shows throughout the season or throughout this season, for sure. And I feel like you might be a little bit closer to the situation than, than most of them. How do you figure out which Steelers receivers to start, uh, each and every week? Cause you have Chase Claypool has had certainly a tremendous rookie season. Juju Smith Schuster, who yeah, he's had some clunkers, but he's come on since those clunkers and he's been making plays. You have James Washington. I don't know how much he factors into the mix here because he's he's more of like a, you know, if he gets that big play, he's start worthy. If he doesn't, he's he's not really start worthy. And then of course Deontay Johnson, who dealt with injuries and and had the big uh, week ten this past week too. Um, how do you figure out um, which Steelers receiver to, to start, or is it just simply you're tossing darts, you're pulling names out of a bag at this point? Well, I mean, obviously I watch him closely as I live in Pittsburgh, so I, I'm very familiar, and, and I've been keying on Ben, and it seems to me, if it, in just watching, and I have Juju on one of my teams, so I wish I wasn't saying this, but it seems to me Claypool is his guy in the red zone and his big play guy. If you look at Claypool over the last, since week five, I think he's averaging about 18.5 points a game, which would put him in the top 10 uh, in that time frame for wide receivers. And every time I'm watching, I'm looking to find out where Juju is on the field versus where Claypool is. And Ben's first read, from my from my vantage point, seems to be Claypool first. And then if not, he looks to Juju and obviously J- Johnson as the third option. But they're all getting a bunch of targets. But you add in the rushing that they're giving Claypool uh, at the, in the red in the red zone, along with the, the targets that he's getting. And the production being that he's such a big target, Benno has always liked part, uh, guys that are big that he can throw the ball up to, and that seems to be playful. So, uh, you know, I wish I had him. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, but I, I get the feeling that he may be the guy down the stretch that's going to be the one that leaps and bounds ahead of all of them. In uh, in the guys, especially with Connor struggling uh, with his rush attempts, it doesn't seem like he's hitting hole with any any authority and kind of being hesitant. So I don't know if they're going to go to the short passing game. Um, but I, I like Claypool from my vantage point when I'm watching the game. That's just what I'm seeing from an eyeball standpoint. Juju Smith-Schuster's contract is up at the end of this season. Um, Dave, do Pittsburgh does Pittsburgh resign him? And uh, if they don't, is Chase Claypool the number one receiver for Ben Roethlisberger in 2021? I think they will. The Steelers typically keep their guys. I, you know, I'm hearing different things uh, on the, when you listen to the talk radio. I still think they're going to keep him. Obviously, if he's going to demand uh, a ridiculous salary, um, the Steelers typically don't like to do that. So they would move on from him. But I, I think they're going to sign him uh, and keep him. Uh, but I, it's still going to be a one-two, a one and a one-a. Not a not a situation where one's going to be the you know, the pure dominant guy. Ben Ben likes to spread the ball around. You know, he didn't with Antonio Brown, but I think he's almost trying to make an, a, a point of it. Uh, he, he actually he gave uh, Juju some props early on in the year when he wasn't getting targets, but he didn't sulk and he didn't complain. Uh, and Ben kind of rewarded him over the last three and four weeks by giving him those, you know, 10-plus targets. So uh, I think there's a situation where they will keep him in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be 
a, the guy, I think it would be a one and one a situation because Claypool is, he's a fantastic athlete and they're using him in many different aspects of the game. And that's not going to change just with his size and athleticism. Uh, he's too big of a target to, to not give him targets. And he's definitely their downfield guy. Um, so they have three great wide receivers. They seem to do very well with drafting and, and keeping wide receivers in the fold. So uh, when's the last Steelers team you had that saw or talked about that, that didn't have uh, good wide receivers? It's been a long time. So I think they'll keep Juju in the fold. Yeah, good knowledge there too, uh, especially considering uh, all my dynasty teams that I either have uh, Smith-Schuster or Claypool on. I got to make decisions on that to see which way I'm leaning. So I always appreciate that. From a uh, from a guy who follows the Steelers as close as anyone uh, that I interview here on these podcasts. Um, Ten weeks down, six weeks to go uh, in, in FFPC high-stakes leagues. Who are going to be a couple of your high-priority waiver bids, uh, Dave? And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly where you're sitting as far as your, your budget left uh, that's left out of that $1,000 uh, at the start of the year. But who are you targeting as we enter week 11? Well, I mean, again, it, it's very, very thin, as you can imagine. Uh, but, you know, I, I, as I said, I'm going to start looking a couple weeks in advance uh, just to start preparing for, you know, what might happen and what could occur and what I may need. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put a bit on, on uh, the uh, Ahmed kid from Miami and, you know, just to see if I can get him. He's probably only a one or two week uh, player because uh, as soon as Gaskin comes back, I think he's going to take that role uh, back and, and, you know, be the lead back. But he, he showed some flash, and uh, I, I, I like what I saw in him. Uh, it would be a tough situation to try and start him. Obviously, my lineup is, is pretty solid, but, you know, you just never know uh, when guys are injured, if they come back, and when the exact date will be. And, and I wouldn't mind having him on my, on my team if, if, you know, if the price is right. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would consider Jameis uh, if you needed a quarterback spot. Uh, just from the standpoint, again, you're talking about a couple weeks, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they play Atlanta twice in that time frame. Uh, my concerns with that is, is, is I think they're going to use two quarterbacks. Uh, I think it may be a, a 70, 30, 60, 40 split at the quarterback position. Uh, and and if Jameis turns the ball over, I don't think. Peyton is going to stand for it, and, and he may pull the trigger altogether. Uh, but I, I'll look at that. Um, again, I have Watson and, and Wilson um, on my team, so there's zero chance he's going to be starting for me, but he will be a guy I'll look at. And then, you know, just filling out, filling out my roster, looking ahead at the matchups in the playoffs with the defense. Uh, I'll always keep an extra kicker, especially with COVID, uh, because, you know, you don't want to be stuck when you can't make transactions without a kicker. So those are the things I start looking at, and uh, I'll, I'll double-check some matchups and make sure that my lineup's pad and protected in case of injuries. You know, <clears throat> Drew Brees is going to be out uh, for, for the foreseeable future. If you know, And I'm just guessing here. When Brees was healthy, I feel like the split at quarterback was like Drew Brees 85 90% of the snaps, uh, Taysom Hill 5-10, maybe 15%. You think it's going to be a similar ratio uh, for Winston and, and Hill going forward, or, or does Hill get more? Uh, is he more of like a twenty-five to thirty percent guy with Winston in there? I honestly think he's going to get more. I, I, I think that I think they're going to give Jameis, uh, you know, they're going to give him an opportunity, but I, I think Hill is going to get more and more. I think they're going to run the Wildcat uh, a little bit more than we have seen in the past. 
and they're going to give them the ability to throw the ball uh, as well. So my my thinking is a minimum. It's probably going to be 70-30, but I could easily see 60-40. Um, and like I said, but if Jameis turns the ball over, uh, we're going to find out if that ten trend continues from last year. Then it may be, you know, they may flip it the other way, uh, and, and, and you may not see Jameis at all. But that's what's going to be interesting to see. From my standpoint, I just hope it doesn't hurt Kamara uh, being, you know, uh, that Breeze was like he dumped the ball off to him so much that you were pretty much assured to get him five, six catches a game. And Jameis is a risk taker and likes to throw the ball down the field. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic, but one that I'm a little leery of based on the fact that Jameis tendencies to throw interceptions. Yeah, certainly we're going to get a lot more information uh, this coming week um, when, you know, when, when the Saints are back in action at, again at home against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, if there's ever a time to pump the ball downfield safely, like Jameis Winston likes to do, it is uh, going to be as safe as possible against that Atlanta secondary. Maybe Seattle uh, would be another one too, but Atlanta secondary certainly not much to write home about. Saints get them at the Superdome. We'll be watching that game closely. Um, final question for you, Dave. You've been very gracious with your, with your uh, time tonight. I certainly appreciate it. Um, when you look at week 11, a sleeper that not a lot of high-stakes players are going to be starting uh, this week. Uh, who is that player? And then a guy that you think a lot of high-stakes players will be starting, but he's actually going to be bust, uh, be a bust, and he's not going to be playing very well and disappointing a lot of um, uh, a lot of fantasy owners that started him this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as a guy I'd be concerned about is, is a big-time player that has a tough matchup. I, I would be concerned with Derrick Henry this week. I, I know Baltimore has – they're still a great team, and they have a good defense, uh, and they just look horrendous on national TV. And I'm a proponent that if a team gets embarrassed on national TV and they're a good team, they usually come back the following week with vengeance. So I would be personally a little leery of Derrick Henry this week. He's he's a great back, and they like to run the ball at times. But, again, he doesn't catch the ball. And if he doesn't get 100 yards or if he doesn't score, I mean, his cap is eight, and I could see him not getting 100 yards. So I would be a little leery of him. Uh, if that was my team, uh, a guy that people were kind of down on. And, and after last week, you know, when you saw Naheem Himes uh, take off and, and, uh, and have some good, good stuff last week, I still think Jonathan Taylor has this opportunity this week against the Packers. Uh, I know he struggled, um, but he still is getting snaps. Um, and I just think that they're going to, they just like to run the ball. Uh, and I think if they can get him some, some more touches and maybe some space uh, the way they use times a little bit that, that he could be effective this week against the Packers who I, I think have struggled a little bit against the run. Um, so I, I would, I would say he's the guy that people probably are walking away from this week that I, I would consider. Uh, I'd also look to check the injury report and uh, see if Irv Smith starts or not, because if he doesn't play, I think there's a chance for Kyle Rudolph against Dallas who's prone to give up uh, touchdowns to tight ends, uh, that he could possibly be a guy that you could pick up off the waivers and use this week uh, in a pinch uh, if you're in a situation where you have an Evan Ingram or a Jimmy Graham or, or someone of that ilk that is, that is on a bye this week. Uh, as he you know has the potential to score, uh, they don't throw the ball a ton, but I think Dallas gives up enough points uh, that he may have some options. And then the last guy I would say is, is Reynolds in, in, in L.A. 
uh, he, he's been the third wheel out there. But if you look at his targets over the last three or four weeks, I think he's getting close to eight targets a game uh, in an offense that really hasn't thrown the ball that much. Um, so, again, a guy nobody's thinking of or playing that may be on the waiver wire that you could consider uh, is Josh Reynolds. Uh, and, and, you know, you're probably going to get him for next to nothing based on the fact that they haven't been scoring touchdowns and he hasn't been throwing them, meaning golf. Uh, so Reynolds may be a priority that you can get on the waiver wire and, and plug him in this week in, in the case of emergency. Yeah, I love that Irv Smith call. I'm totally with you on that against Dallas. Um, and then the Reynolds thing is so interesting because I was watching that that Rams Seattle game um, on uh, Sunday afternoon, and you know I, I couldn't. I was with my kids, and I was I had you know I was playing with them, and had one eye on the game. But it seemed like every single time I looked up at the game, Goff was targeting Reynolds, not Woods, not Cup, yeah. but Josh Reynolds. And so he's certainly a guy that you need to be wary of. Um, you know, especially considering think about what happens if Cup goes down, if Woods uh, goes down. You know, Reynolds is. Is he's already got a connection with Goff, and that would only be enhanced, I would think, if one of those receivers goes down. So not only for Week 11, but going forward. And then, um, you know, I was talking to uh, a, a guy. I, I do a, an afternoon sports talk show here in Northeast Wisconsin, and I was interviewing a guy who covers Bill Scott, actually, who covers the Packers for the Wisconsin Radio Network, and he talked about, um, you know, that 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 Colts ground game and how it, it it's going to be an issue for Green Bay. And he said, look, you know, the Packers rush defense has gotten better. It, it, it's progressed and, and it's and it's improved each and every week for like the last two or three weeks. But it's still not good. <laughs> you know, it is still not good. Uh, and and so certainly, you know, you look at a guy like Naheem Hines, you look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who I know a lot of people hitch their wagons to um, earlier in this season as far as their fantasy prospects go and are hoping for that big blowout game. I'm super nervous about it, but I do own Taylor in, in several leagues that I'll be starting him in. So hopefully... Uh, if the Packers do end up going down, it will be at the expense of a big-time Taylor performance. We got a big-time Dave Scioto performance uh, on the road of his high-stakes lowdown this week. Dave, uh, can't thank you enough for, for making some time for us. I know we went a little bit long, but so much good knowledge from you um, in, in the way you operate your teams, especially as we're coming into crunch time for uh, fantasy football uh, high-stakes players uh, for the remainder of the season. Good luck in, in both those top 60 main event teams you have in all your teams as well. I hope the ball bounces your way, and, and we'll talk again soon, dude. All right, man. I appreciate it, and, and great job as always. You, you do great work on, on all your platforms. So appreciate all the work and all the effort and all the time. Uh, you make this fun, and, and I can't thank you enough for, for all the things that you do for the fantasy community. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.